Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Crystal Core Radio Podcast brought to you by work to game And today we've got a lot to talk about. We've got Elio back on the podcast again, three in a row. Like, he's his, this is his hat trick. Uh, like I said, for- it's been fun. It's been a lot of fun, dude. So we're going to keep rocking and rolling the show. Uh, the goal of if you guys are enjoying it at all, like is to bring this to you guys every Friday covering kind of what's going on in gaming news. You know, if there is news and there this week, there is absolute news. It's crazy. And in the in the pre-show, they were asking me about it. I was like, I'm going to get you a raw reaction to what's happened this week. It's going to be an interesting discussion. But the main topic for today is kind of the lore and speculation of the new world. As somebody who you know, like has been a part of a theorist, which is so weird to call the planet that now uh, after having it called it Heidelin for, for it feels like a decade, but to see where we're going to go, how this is going to expand the story, what kind of revelations do we expect and what threats we might encounter? That's some of the questions that I've got rattling around in my head and guys, yeah, if you guys enjoy the show, like sub and, uh, and share, we really appreciate, appreciate that. And if you're watching this as a VOD or in the audio form, we love you so very much. Thanks for being here. But Let's get y'all's raw reaction. First big news story of the day is Asmogold canceled. That's the note that I put out there. But the TLDR, uh, Asmin had a viral clip that just went all across Twitter, basically breaking down the concept of what consumerism is and how game gamers buy media. And ultimately, it boils down to, he said, if the game's fun, people are going to buy it. And if you feel like you know, there's some kind of moral quandary there. Time and time again, the sales are just absolutely through. But a lot of artists took offense to this because they're talking about generative AI coming in and and making art, feeling like they were he was like dunking on them or being diminished. And then he ended up putting out a like a two hour video talking about it. And then they were kind of memeing on him for that. But generative AI and consumerism <laughs> obviously has not that. canceled. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so having having watched a lot of his stuff, I mean, he's a guy where sometimes I agree really firmly with what he says. Sometimes mm-hmm. I don't. What I'll say in that case is like, I don't like the fact that what he's saying is correct, but he's not exactly wrong. Like, and I feel like that's the thing is divorcing him stating that like sometimes he says stuff like that. and He's like, and that's perfectly fine. And I don't give a shit. And that but sometimes yeah. <laughs> he says that just because. I mean, whether you like it or not, that is a reality. So if you want it to be different, you've got to just accept expecting morality being the only driving force of consumerism is not it's not going to work. It's not going to be effective. So I'm not surprised. And I'm also not surprised that a lot of people reacted. This is not the first time he's done said something like that or done something like that. And people have reacted. And it's, you know, it, it, it. one, his viewership. He was, like the most, shit. He was yeah, the yeah. most viewed coverage of the Johnny Depp trial. Yeah, right. Like the guy I don't that think originally yeah. made gold making guides for World of Warcraft was the number one place to watch Johnny Depp in a lawsuit where somebody pooped on a bed. Oh my god, like, that's dude. a reality we live in. How much do you think that cost Aquaman too? Because she's still in that movie, but they diminished her as much as possible. Because I, I can't get that image out of my head. I mean, just reshoots alone, you're talking probably somewhere in the ballpark of like twenty, fifty million. Like, yeah. de- depending on what they needed to reshoot. I mean, but seeing as she was like his love interest, I have to imagine large swaths. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, so a part of, you know, obviously his his take is about how, like, if the game's fun, people are going to buy it, regardless of whether generative AI is used or not. When, when, it, when it comes down to just that concept, are you guys concerned about generative AI in video games, especially as it 
relates to our next story where we talk about layoffs in the game industry? I'm concerned about its ethics. I think like the thing is generative AI in theory as a tool, like to like shrink it down, things like the metahuman thing in Unreal, right? Or like there are, which isn't, it's not generative AI, but just as an example of like, it could be a great tool. It could be a very useful tool in optimizing code in any number of things. I think the problem is that we haven't shaken out and I don't know how long it's going to take to shake out what the ethics of using it, crediting and all of that are. And that's specifically what worries me rather than it as an existing tool. When the first sewing machines came out, there was a real concern about the ethics of moving to machine-made clothes where you had one person making what normally would take years for a group of people to make, and, and they were doing it in, in days and weeks. And we went through a round of innovations in that space, and some of those innovations were really good, but were rejected because of an ethical quandary when that same person could have come up with that invention 10 years later and it would have been rejoiced. Timing was everything. We have seen this time and time again. When there's a giant leap forward, it does not immediately replace all humans. It allows a very small subset of humans to become so efficient that they don't need as much help. When we move to self-driving trucks, truck driving is the number one job in America. More people classify themselves as driver of truck than any other job. And when we move to self-driving trucks, even if at first it's, okay, there's going to be four trucks and one driver who's going to maybe park them all because they haven't figured out kind of some of the parking still sounds like that may need at least some oversight or at least somebody with a clipboard. Ice travel also for like, and just for the technical side and their solution they're testing is having basically, if you think about drone operators, beam into the truck remotely and actually let them handle it. Yeah, one driver handling maybe 10 times the cargo, 40 times the cargo. It won't just immediately replace them, but it will take 39 of those truck drivers and put them out of a job over a very small number of years. Mm -hmm. We're going to have the same thing with artists and and the ethics and moral side of it's incredibly interesting. But historically, the money side of it has won out under the theory of, yeah, we're protecting maybe those 39 truck drivers, but in trade, we're providing a better food economy to lower income in trade. We're finding medical supplies are getting there faster. And right. Because mm-hmm. like, yeah, you don't have there's the human a net, restrictions. Yeah. In yeah, theory, there's a net gain somewhere is at least how we justify it to ourselves. It's usually on a balance sheet. Entertainment um, though is going to be interesting with that, right though, because entertainment is not a necessity in the same way that, I mean, clothing, this whole shelter, George Carlin thing. Is, yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. That seems way more objectionable to me than somebody augmenting the amount of art assets they can draw. Yeah. Right. The, the ability to replace like an actor or to bring somebody back from the dead. Yeah. Um, especially George Carlin. Like of all people, there's no way if you've watched any George Carlin, that's like so against everything that he rallied against. Mm-hmm. So like yeah. it just feels insulting, almost like this, like the word consent comes to mind. Mm-hmm. That we're just like making him, we can make him say things he would have never said because he's not right. alive to defend himself. Right. I mean, the thing um, I think we just need to create, I feel like it's, we got to get to the point where we figure out the cultural norms on it, right? Like that is the crux, I think, of so much of it is what is acceptable and respectable with it. And right now we don't know. Right now it's, it's enforceable. It's the Wild West. Right. And with what's this, enforceable with, the, with this Taylor Swift stuff yeah. where they're generating images of her as if she wasn't wearing clothes. She has all of the power and resources that anybody could have. There is nobody that could deploy more resources. I mean, she had a fan base that basically, I mean, 
she basically upended the whole music industry. Like she mm-hmm. has an immense amount of power within her sphere. And everybody knows a Swifty. And, and yeah. you can't like, so if she can't stop that, what chance do a handful of artists working on a video game have? People who we don't normally hear anything about until something goes terribly wrong. Yeah. You know, Blizzard devs and, and all of that, like, like the controversy is what we know of them. Most, the average gamer does not directly know a game dev just statistically. So especially a triple a game dev or, or somebody that's yeah. like, like a full time, right. You have a right, friend yeah. that's making a game, yeah. you know, like, Oh, I know Brian's kind of working on some stuff, but yeah. like there just aren't that many game devs for what is a really large population of gamers. So like, I, I don't know what he said, but I just don't know. I don't know that the base summary of what you gave is something that's wildly wrong. Like it, no, capitalism. He, th- and that's whether you like it or right. not. That's like the thing. That's, too. And that's, that's the point. separate like, from how I feel about the other. Th- yeah. There, yeah. There's, there's two, there's t- two kind of things to kind of like, you know, round this topic off before we jump to the next one, because like, I think essentially the best critique that I saw online of his clip is that he could have said it more elegantly. And that's, you know, the thing is, is right. Like I could say a thousand things more elegantly, but I, he didn't, he didn't say anything that wasn't fundamentally true. And we see this time and time again, Hogwarts legacy is a great example of if it's a fun game and you, and all boycotting will do is just promote the game. You just handed them, you know, 200, $300 million worth of marketing because of that same thing applies uh, yeah. with like yep. a good game generated ai oh yep. we're gonna we're gonna you know no it's a fun game people because us engaged folks we maybe represent five percent of the market 95 percent of the market's quiet and they're just like give me a fun game that i can play is the nfl number one grossing sport worldwide professionally yeah. by now, far right and, and, the, and I will, like all that I was watching comedy set this morning while I was, while I was cleaning up the house. So I was listening to a comedy set and he was talking about how with the Kaepernick stuff, he just really, this was an old set. And he goes yeah, with yeah. the Kaepernick stuff, he just couldn't watch NFL anymore. And would you believe it? They're having another Super Bowl this year. Mm-hmm. And like, <laughs> there's, there's, that's like, <laughs> turns out, the, like at the end of the day, turns out, football. turns out yeah. like boycotts have to be so, strong and they have to last a very long time and they have to be very succinct if we all disagree for 20 different reasons they fall apart so you can't just be like oh we all dislike budweiser for different reasons no we gotta we gotta agree on one actionable correction that they need to take and we need to make it very clear that that's what we want and if they give it to us there needs to be a correction and like that just doesn't happen i just Mm -hmm. don't see how in gaming we don't see mass layoffs become the trend. I mean, they are the sewers, and this this is the sewing machine. That's what's I, happening. I will say on the the Asmik Gold, I do think there are times. It's kind of interesting. There are times where he is incredibly empathetic with his points. Like he gets it, and then conveys that he also gets why people may be upset by it, even if it's but still saying it like it is. Mm-hmm. But other times, he will just be blunt to a necess- to to a degree that's like. Confusing, confounding. It's like some there's it's sometimes that guy, that dude is like is is bizarre. He'll say that he'll just be like sometimes incredibly almost sociopathically uncaring, and then other times he's incredibly empathetic. So I and I do think with this point, I can imagine someone being like, okay, you said the point, but maybe at least some empathy towards the people affected by that reality goes a long way. You know, I mean, it's hard Baldur's to be Gate, Baldur's Gate though, three too. is the guy that is working on the railroad against the machine. Like that's the old story, right? Baldur's Gate three is the answer. Baldur's Gate three is this is what happens 
when devs stick to their guns. Now, there are a lot of Baldur's Gate 3 equivalent projects that failed, but that one is the shining star of why we still need hard work and game devs that aren't cutting corners. They're not focused on microtransactions, all the art assets. And and there was like over a million lines of actual audio dialogue. I don't think any of that was AI generated. I could be wrong, but like, I, I believe that was just a painstaking game built out labor of, of love. Yeah. Labor of love. Look, and, the entire market is like the question, like, look, I want if in my perfect world, everything would be like what Larian's doing, not like genre wise, but like the, the work wise, the, passion, the question yeah, is, is, can, can, can the gaming market even sustain that? Right. Cause the thing is, is that that game was in development for what better part of five years sustained through a like passionate fan base following it. Like, like the, the, the money made sense because they could make it make sense. But if every game was doing that same model, would it even work? And I have to imagine it can't like, Yeah. Baldur's yeah, Gate 3 was like, why aren't, we, why aren't we all doing this? And it's like, because the entire industry would get two games a year. Yeah. Instead, we're going to get... Well, AI could end up solving year, that. 2,000 this year. Yeah. There could be 5,000 new games that come out this year. Like, even I wouldn't categorize a yeah. game as something that's downloaded by, let's say, 10,000 people. Something that's like clearly beyond like a niche community. Mm-hmm. Like, well, and the 10,000 people in a single Discord. Like, like and, Yeah, and it, the it, thing it with... Thousands of games. With Baldur's Gate 3, the other thing that I think a lot of people miss too is that it's not like Baldur's Gate 3 wasn't just the devs cared. It wasn't just they took their time. It was like there are you have to have good leadership. The money has to be there. You have to have a passionate workforce. You have to have a creative workforce. You have to have like a good idea that actually works because sometimes great ideas turn out to just not work very well and you're back to square one. And like so it's like there is it's more than just any one of these factors right and so i i think like i remember back when there were some people like some devs were frustrated with Baldur's gate being seen it like this is just how games need to be because like on the one hand i get why consumers were like well no you're why like no this is a good standard we should set the standard but i do there were some devs not not all of them by a long shot but there were some devs that were making good point more just about like this isn't the reason Baldur's Gate ended up as good as it did is for more complicated reasons than it's being made out to seem at times you know so, um, so I went to school for architecture. Yeah, those were my degrees in both of them, and we were taught that to build good architecture, true great architecture that is of its time and is therefore timeless. The things that we hold up as the examples of what we all should all strive for. That it takes a good architect, and so we're all like, "That's going to be me. I'm going to be amazing," and a good client, because if there is not the right money and support and idea behind it. The architect has nothing to work with and a good site. There has to be good constraints. If you have a city that won't let you build it, if you have a site that has certain requirements, you know, if the materials available in that time, like, like the actual physical limitations, doesn't matter what you and the client want. There are just physical limitations, which in this space would be things like the hardware of its time. There were games that came out in the nineties that maybe would have failed. And those same ideas could be wildly successful today because hardware is a real limitation. We talk about it with 14 all the time. They just run out of memory. So it's not about do they have the ideas and do they have Square Enix's support and do 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 the gamers want it? it? It's just physically not possible. And you have to have all of them, and they have to all be going off simultaneously. Like Elio said, like if you if you drop any of those legs, the whole thing falls over. So I, I know we're focused on how the artists are affected by the AI, and the difference between the AI and the sewing machine is the sewing machine at no point was taking other people's stuff that was sown. Yeah, and, and learning. Them. Yeah, yeah, a yeah, little um, bit different. Yeah. This is taking art well, from the very artist it's putting out of a job and learning from that art. And by learning, 
Sometimes it's just reusing. The problem with that, though, is that all of us have been giving these companies and agreeing to the terms all of the art and assets and images for over the last like 15, 20 years as this medium comes out. But the solution in my mind, because I actually agree, is that if these these machines have been trained up on and you are included, if they can come up with a way, like some kind of level, a law of an ownership of the data, that it's like, hey, this is your data. It was used to train this stuff. And then as that gets sold and resold, guess what? Here's your cut. You know, here's your take of that. That that That's the only time of a solution that I could see working because at the end of the day, like, I don't, I, I can't right now fathom another solution that is both market and, you know, demand appropriate. Otherwise it's like, we'll just don't use AI. And it's like, ah, that's, I think people were going to find ways to use AI and, and maybe that, not report it. It's just not going to work. Like saying, just don't use an innovative tool that is going to, what you're going to have is there are going to be people who, for lack of a better word, will be Luddites about it. And to be like, no, I'm not going to use it. And the world's just going to move on. Like it just, it's what happens. It's what, what happens. My dad went to school for engineering. Computers. When I was a kid that the internet was a fad and we didn't need it in the house. Your dad apparently was also in charge of Nintendo at the time, I believe. (laughs) You know, like that's a real thing. There's a Malcolm Gladwell book that talks about kind of the importance of when you're born. And what you just suggested, Brian, will work in the short term. But what will happen is 50 years from now, there's going to be a bunch of billionaires who were the first people who learned how to acquire and patent the data that fuels the AI of 2080. And in 2028 to 2030, which means they need to be young enough to be in the space and taking risks. They need to be old enough to have the resources that when they see the risks, they can go pay for the rights and whatever. So they are likely teenagers right now Mm -hmm. because if they're not born yet, they're going to be too late. The rights will have already been claimed. If they're our age, they'll be too busy on like, I could stay up late and try to acquire that stuff, but I'm going to spend time with my kids. I'm going to keep working on my job. I already have because I have a mortgage to pay. So there's this, there's this group between teenagers and maybe 25 years old that you need to be in that range right at the time that the flags can be placed. And then once you place them, that's how you get a Bill Gates. That's how you get like, like there were other people like Bill Gates born 10 years earlier and 10 years later, and we don't have any idea who they are. He was the right person, but he was the right person who was also born at exactly the right Right time. time. Yeah. And it's shocking how many people that are instrumental to what we think of as the backbones of the internet, the backbones of modern OSs and all those, even if you do go research other names, they're all born within like the same two calendar years. It's wild because it was the right time. Mm -hmm. So what you're suggesting sounds like a great solution. And if it does become implement, like it sounds great, but if we implement it, what it's going to result in is it's going to be the first people that figure out how to monopolize it will become the, the world's first trillion billionaires. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, And then, and then that'll be, that'll be it. And they'll be the Microsoft of 2080, like the world's largest company. Yeah. Yeah. And to, to just, to just kind of bring this back to 14 a little bit on your original point about requiring architect clients and landscape. Kind of what you're saying about architects, everyone thinks that they're going to be the OCP, right? It turns out not everyone, not everyone's the OCP, you know, not everyone's a has the skill set to be able to lead because it's not just you need a great idea and a great work that you also need to be able to lead your crew. You need to have the experience to know how to make sure that time is used correctly. It's Mm -hmm. many, many skills are required to do it well. Yeah. Now, as we transition into kind of our main topic, because we did talk a little bit about the layoffs and obviously our sympathy goes out. I do struggle when I see people say empathetic because like I don't know personally anybody that was laid off. I do mm-hmm. like layoffs suck. 
but like I can't feel like you know like like they feel. So I always like when I when people I think people confuse the term empathy and sympathy, but that's my opinion. But still, we're going to see that you know throughout this year. This year alone, it's already got record layoffs. And what I tend to see is people say record profits, record layoffs. But I know that being in the business world, it's not as clear cut. It's you know like profits don't necessarily mean that your job is always going to be safe. And I do always try to like focus it on the the what the truth of all of this is that your job is not safe don't let the these companies market to you because i think a big part of the problem especially with the bigger companies like microsoft and google and even twitter to an extent before the takeover is that they hey we're a community like you know this is we have all these services we'll do your laundry like this is your community we're a family whenever a company i mean it's the word like, family we're, we're, on a your company. Day we're a family yeah. i'm like family bullshit like come on like well when fast food companies do that shit too it's particularly hilarious like i worked for like raising canes like 10 years ago or something and they're like we're family i'm like you pay me minimum wage to fried chicken shut up and you can't fire your brother like you know you might not like sitting at him at next to thanksgiving but you can't fire your brother you can be like get out of here lay off we change directions for the company oh i'm so sorry like it's like that is in and of itself, I think, is one of the things that I'm like, if, if anything good ever comes out of this, educate yourself and prepare. Prepare to be laid off at any point. So that way, it's not actually a bad day. You get your severance package, hopefully, and take a little holiday. Now, I do want to say thank you so much, Real Kitty Hawk, aka Wes, uh, for his tier three sub a support over on the Twitch side of things. 53 months of support. A freaking legend. We cannot do this show without you guys. Also, I got some plans this year for some exclusive member content right here on Work to Game. And Chris has been working on some big videos that hopefully you'll be able to see. But now we get to sit down and talk some Final Fantasy. I think we I think we've covered the news. Unless anybody, you guys have any other things you want to add to the to that conversation? I'm sure, we could talk about it all day if we wanted to. Yeah. We, well, we're we're content creators. We can talk about anything <laughs> until we Just pass out. Nothing out of air. But I want to shift to the concept, obviously, of the new world for Final Fantasy XIV. I jokingly said that Dawn Trail has been this, how do we get Brian back? Like Yoshi P's little checklist is like new new world. Okay, check. Caster, check. Xbox, check. Yep. Like, I'm like, all right. 30 million lifetime I, players. I not he really has enough? a follow-up question on the one. Yeah. It's like, did I not ask for enough? Because it's like, I, I can, you know, I, I can... I'll give you guys more ideas, but here we are though. Like I'm excited about that. We're going to the new world, but I have like the the main question I have, and I don't know if we can answer this. So we'll kind of jump into some speculation. We, you know, feel free to speak, you know, a little spoiler warning, depending on where you guys are at in the story. I I, I want, I want to know what do we expect the big bad of this next saga to be? They've teased that this is setting it up. We're going to the new world. We don't know if they were truly touched by the end of days, at least in my opinion. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. But what do we think that this is going to build up to? The world is getting massive. We also know more about the reflections, but, and we have, we're not even going to Maricidia yet. Like, where does this next saga taking us? Because I cannot shake the mindset of, of a solution nine. Like, I can't yeah. get that image out of my head. And I'm like, where the F? Are we going with this next saga? So Solution 9 is really interesting for a couple of reasons. One of which is that we don't know where it's placed in the timeline for its creation, obviously. I mean, we know almost nothing about it. But one of the things is that the language in it, all of the signs use the proto-Allegan, the, the, basically the proto-Sundering alphabet. 
which mm -hmm. heavily, heavily, heavily implies that whoever created Solution 9 must have come from the Uncentral World. Not that it was created by it, but that it was created by the Asians or by could by Heidelin or which means that it's still probably a remnant of one of their machinations. The fact that it's super associated with lightning may mean that it's tied to the second Umbral Calamity because that was the Calamity of Lightning. Just a possibility. But the thing that's really interesting about what the like long-term big bad is, is we don't have any ideas for like a entity. Like we don't have another Zodiac. But what I would look to is kind of more about, it's probably about the reconciliation of Atheris of itself and its peoples and also the reflections. Because imagine mm -hmm. if you have one of the reflections that had, let's say it had its own ally, right? That like, but it turns out they actually conquered the whole star. Then we open up the gates to the other reflections. Like, oh, we've got new friends. Oh, Lord. You know, that yeah. could be the, the sort of yeah. It's not like the reflections yeah. can't come and figure out how what we've figured out. I would assume. Yeah, or at least maybe not necessarily be as benevolent or as in a benevolent shape for sure. So, so I, I definitely think that that's there's grounds for there to be a big bad rooted in like something like that. Where if we found out maybe this expansion or next expansion, there were hints towards the fact that one of the reflections maybe was not great or in a great place that could be one thing alternatively there's the sea of stars we have an entire ocean of like a universe of, of possibilities out there so obviously they could always throw a random right hook with something from without the star itself or without the reflections itself all right um, yeah. then my follow-up on what you just shared though let's talk about yeah. a little bit about the calamities right yeah because the calamity of bahamut going from 1.0 to 2.0 really only impacted the, the lands that we see. Do you think Bahamut impacted the New World anyway, like with these calamities? Because I've, I've kind of viewed them as not necessarily planet-wide calamities, but, you know, still calamit, you know, calamitous for yeah. a region. So it's really interesting because we don't get any evidence that the worldwide flood massively affected places like Othard. It seems like to an extent some of it's localized, but the thing is that the flood did go out as far as like Aerosolint and, and Charlian. So it, it, it's, it's hard to tell because we don't have a ton of history of places outside of Eorzea during those events. So we don't know. We know the Calamity of Earth, for instance, was so bad that it affected Bosia, and Bosia is effectively almost to Othard at that point. And, it's, it, and the epicenter of it was in the Crystal Tower, which is like way over in, in Mordona. Um, so I would say, yeah, in fact, we could. The thing about the Calamity of Astrality that happened with Bahamut is that it, its effects were more localized because the major fallout from it was rooted in me the Mega Flare. Like, that Calamity was strong enough to cause the reflection to be rejoined to our star. It was not strong enough. Like, it, it could have been much worse. Like, if Bahamut had been led to go wild, Bahamut would have, right. like, Mega Flared the whole star. Like, would have just gone over everywhere. But since Louis Swat took him out pretty quickly after he started, I think that's why a lot of the destruction is more localized to Aorzea. Cool. Excellent. Yeah. So that's the, that's the big question. I was going to so like, as we look at people that live that different, there are, are different races and like the races that we know of all have kind of like origin points, mostly yeah. shared through like, like the books give a lot, give us a lot of that information on, on where to expect somebody came from. Obviously in the current timeline, we've got a lot of people all intermixed but as we go over to Tural, which has been more separate there has been voyages back and forth but they started to show mamalja that came from like almost as much variety as we have humanoids do we have any evidence that like other races have had that level of racial variety like they they were drastically different when they yeah. showed off the different mamalja 
So it's interesting because with the mammal jaw, you've got three types, right? You've got the hubigo, the buniwa, and the dapo, I think, or daplo. They're, the, the daplo you only see like twice. They're the ones that like wide ride the wivers in like Wanderer's Palace hard. The buniwa are the blue ones, the ones you see in like the Blue Mage quest. Uh, they're more magically inclined. And the hubigo are the like more melee ones. When you think mammal jaw, you're usually thinking of hubigo. I would say that the... <laughs> <laughs> I like. I just like it every time you say "Hubie go." I'm like, let's go. It's just fun. It's just fun. It's just yeah. a good time. But no, the the thing is, is that the clans there are aren't really so dissimilar than something like a Dune's folk and a Plains folk. Really, I mean, it's just like mostly superficial changes on the outside. I mean, Hell's Guard, Sea Wolves. I mean, that's more pigmentation. But they idea. showed like height differences uh, during the lot during the fan fest in JP. Yeah. They showed like there were short ones and tall ones and big eyes and little eyes. It wasn't just oh, so those are the males and females and the childs children. So but they, the eye sizes were so different between the boonie the hubigo and boonie while they're different. Yeah, they're like uh, they've got like the huge sort of ring limbal and then like smaller eyes and then the boonie while kind of have just normal eyes with the okay. I didn't. It looked like just it looked like a lot more variety. Um, so the females don't seen, normally it's like yeah. different kind of like markings and, and colors. So yeah. more, normally it's more pigmentation based. It could be possible that they're making some model variety to increase also that because the mammal jaw are like one of like the major, if not the major peoples that we really know about in the new world. Obviously we know about like the Von, the Walu Walu, I think. Walu Walu. Yeah. They look yeah. like Vanu Vanu. And yeah. They're kind of, <laughs> yeah, they basically are, but much more colorful. Then we've got also the Palu Palu. We've got, I'm forgetting the giants names already, but we've got the Moblins. That's also very interesting. I, the thing that's really interesting about the new world is how many of the peoples we see upon it already seem to be transplants because giguses and giants have existed on Eorzea. They're also see, first, yeah, yeah. That's what I was like really wanting to get po- uh, yeah. poke your mind about the giants. Are they thinking the gigas like we have known them? Or are they talking about like in like an absolutely like monstrous you know monstrous well, race? It's interesting because one, there's a lot of different types of gigases and giants in 14. Like there's the Hecaton Kyries, there's and they all have a bunch of different stories, but there's also myths of the gigas that we see in like Mordona having come down into Eorzea from the West mm-hmm. at some point in the past, which means that they may be more endemic to the new world and have ended up in Eorzea at some later point, which also makes sense seeing as their civilization seems to be a much older one in Urkopacha itself. So, so it could be that that's what's going on. It could be that the Vanu Vanu either started as the Walu Walu or the Vanu Vanu at some point transported themselves over to. I think Koz- do we know if they're in Kozumaoka or Yaktael yet? I don't think we do. Hanu Hanu, thank you. That's what I, I keep. I keep like picking a different consonant every day. I've like done the like Walu Walu Banu Banu. You yeah, did way Hanu. better than I do. I, I like. I'm like. I I, I trip up majorly yeah. on on my words from time to time. Yeah. But but so it's it's very, very interesting. I mean, even like of the playable races that we've seen, the only natives that we've seen are Hur and Hrothgar because we see Mikote and stuff in the trailers. But you'll notice those are all the ones with the bracers and the like currently modern clothes that clearly are probably rooted in. They're doing like cerulean mining We're or something supposed like to that. original Viera, aren't we? Only through only through Aaronville. Aaronville's the only one. And the thing is, is that we don't know his background and we don't know if he's an example of people who, because Charlene has had a trade route with the new world for so long, it's possible that he may have been the result of like parents coming from Charlene and then staying in the new world for a period of time. But we don't so far have any evidence that there is a major Vieira population in that place. It is interesting that from 6.55, we know that he has a relationship with Wuklama and has known them for a long time. And that Wuklama and the children of Gulul Jaja seem to be multiracial, which kind of goes along with 
Tulio Lal's whole thing about it has we like the only way we can prevent everyone fighting in the new world is by being like a very multiracial, multidisciplinary yeah, city state, right? And so that seemed to be Ghoul Jaja's big focus. Now the base laws of like metaphysics and stuff would all still apply star wide, so it's yes. very likely that they have primals. In theory, yeah, I wouldn't very... be surprised if Valigarmanda is one. Okay, and yeah. then it would make sense that the Asians had done things there as well and had made plans over there. Like why would they only try to cause if they were trying to rejoin the whole star, they wouldn't have just tried to start calamities in our backyard. They would have had past calamities in previous backyards. And so when they like stationed, I mean, they basically built the Garleans, right? So they could have possibly, up, they could have built up sure. other races as well. Oh, you mean building up the Garlean empire? Yeah. 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 yeah 100%. Could see, we could see 100%. footprints of them elsewhere. So like, even though we've removed the Asians, it doesn't mean we've removed their threats. I would um, be pretty surprised if solution nine is not kind of in some way that it's not, if, that it's not part of a legacy of something that the Allegans were doing or the Allegans, the Asians were doing in order to cause a calamity, either forward thinking or past and then left as a remnant. And again, because it's so associated with lightning, it makes me think, what if the Asians at an early, very early points during some time, like second astral era, which would be some like 8,000 ish years ago, 10,000 ish, 8,000 ish years ago, remember that they have creation technologies and also they were uh, familiar with hyper advanced technology. So them creating something like solution nine as a solution to something, maybe it's a solution to causing calamities. Maybe it's a solution to where to store people's souls while they call Like it could be, you know, you could pitch all sorts of things to, to in order to help facilitate calamity. Interesting. I will say the one thing about primals about whether or not they're there is it really is dependent on whether the Asians came in and taught them the art of summoning to be fair. Technically a primal can be summoned without that. You know, we've got examples of that happening via something like what's it's called Susano, right? Just you had the relics and the proper faith together. So per, 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 like you wouldn't just require the Asians coming in to teach that art, but no that mog wasn't taught, right? I don't remember. I know I'm pretty, don't the Moggles men, Moogles mentioned that like an Asian came in and like talked to them a little bit before. Oh, I thought he was just like a storybook tale that went too far. He, well, he is effectively, but I, I could have sworn in 2.1. Someone mentions that like shadow, shadowy Asians appeared to them. Maybe that might be for the EX. Maybe that might be the justification or something. Okay. Oh, so like, Hey, how do you make them stronger? Like, I see you did this. Let's uh get some more crystals. Let's go. Yeah, to be fair, they basically did do that. I mean, they did. They taught the the, the different groups for Gar- Gruda, uh, Titan, and Ifrit in the first place how to summon them. But they also came back and was like, "Hey, also, if you use your kin and use their bones as a source of prayer, it'll make them even po- more powerful." Do we have reason to believe that like they would have the same icons? Like that they would have the same that like Titan could have been over there as well. I would almost assume almost certainly not just by the fact that literally groups that are, I'm trying to think of a good example of this. Uh, here's a, here's an example. Tsukuyomi, right? That Yotsuyu summons is completely different than the mythological version of it. Just based on her uh, like conception of it alone. Even if you had, let's say the Moblin, well, Moblin summoning Alexander is a little bit weird because Alexander comes from the Enigma codex more than anything. It, the Hanu Hanu, if they summoned a creature, would not necessarily summon Bismarck, right? It could be that Valley Garmanda is effectively their version of Bismarck because their mythology is just shifted so much. So I would assume that even if you had something that was akin, 
it would be still be quite different. And also the Im implication is that almost all the groups that have existed on Tural, other than the ones that are coming for Ceruleum, have been there quite a while, which means that the cultures have shifted far enough that I would assume that their mythology has shifted quite far. Who do you think we can expect to see over there as far as NPCs? Like, is this the chance to finally resolve anybody that you think they just before they were like, oh, they're too far away. And like, they've actually been in Tural this whole time. Man, that's so wide ranging. I can't think of any examples off my mind. What I would see is that we would get something like the Wallaquie with like the Blue Mages. They're probably in Jacques Tural in the northern region, seeing as they seem like they're based off of North American groups. I mean, there's a lot of really funny NPCs that could be fun to do stories with. They're not; these aren't far away. But you have L Lorenz Norwib's adoptive brother, who seems to be frick off all over to the New World. You have. I would love to see Emmanuelaine and Sickard from the MSQ, they seem like they could do elements of them over there. But I mean, like, do you have any examples of what you mean by like, that are like over there? Well, so didn't Merle Webb go over there? Yes. She, she was the first person in Eorzea to chart a safe and easy path to the new world. Technically. Is she going to take oh us over there this time? Maybe. I would definitely imagine that whenever we start the MSQ, we're going to talk to her. Like imagine right she has a house over there. there. Like she's just like, <laughs> Like, I wouldn't be my surprised. Had a whole life over there. Yeah. Um, the, what I like, well, guys, you don't see me all the time. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm, I'm over there. I would know? love it if she retired as like the admiral and then just went over to the new world and just hung out there. Like that would be such a great story beat. Yeah, and then like, I don't know. Like, I just, I, I would like to see existing people have had past relationships there or find out that their parents are from there especially people that have traded or, or gone over there. I, I, I assume some old Dom merchant has already found out how to make money over there. Oh yeah. So it, it's interesting because one of the things that I'm really personally excited about this is that in my original light 1.0 character bio, uh, because you're on a ship and you're coming into, I came into to limbs and Lamenza, uh, you know, like as a part of that, my, my, my story was I was actually coming from the new world. So like oh, my, my character in game started their journey came from the new world into Eorzea. And that was like what I was like, Oh yeah. And it's so like in a way cathartic to see like this. And obviously like, I didn't, I don't have any knowledge of the, of the new world, excited but excited like, about that. Or does yeah. that bother you? No, I'm really excited about that. Like it. So, so I play an army in, so in Warhammer 40 K you can pick an existing army and that'll tell you how to like paint your guys and how to badge them and all of that. And then you can also make up your own. And then there's in between where they've like had these armies that are documented, but like they've never had a picture taken. They've never like, they're just super loose. And there was one that was documented through a series of small little blurbs, but it never got its own book. It never got its own codex. It's so it's always just been these brief, like you have kind of the story behind how they were created, but you never get told what color their armor would be, what kind of units they would use. So it left me really open to play the game the way I wanted. But like there are real people that I can point to in the lore and say, like, mm -hmm. that's their origin point. Yeah. And then years later, they released photos of their color scheme and it doesn't match my color scheme. And so it's like this like shattering moment where like the bungee cord pulls down and all of a sudden like I'm wrong because that's my group and that's not what my army looks like because I painted it in the years between they when they invented them in the lore and when they actually took the time to release a color scheme for them. So I, I wonder how many people feel good about the new world, like what you're describing. And then I wonder if there's anybody that's like, but that I was the big, like I had a blank check. Yeah. Like I, I could always yeah. just say, Oh, well that's like a new world thing. But like, 
I'll this guarantee you, every now. expansion, every single expansion, there are a lot of people who are frustrated because they've defined a piece of lore that they had had canon about. It is, it, it is a constant thing. A lot of people do RP and the sort of thing in, in 14. So it is a lot of people, a lot of people every okay. time. Interesting. Not Got a couple that... people to thank because I want to I want to continue this conversation. Fido with a resub tier three for 39 months and Farbrio with their prime sub been subscribed for 10 months. So thank you both so much for your support over on on Twitch. And uh, we're really glad to have you here a part of the community. Now, Chris, you, I, I didn't mean to jump in. I thought you were kind of wrapping up a thought, but I want to make sure you have. Is that cool? Cool. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. The All right. I want to talk a little bit about like. Obviously, Solution 9 SE chat talking about kind of the escape plan kind of concept. My mind continues to go to, will we see new reflections, this expansion, as kind of the big big revelation, as opposed to, because like they've already shown, like Yoshi P's over there laughing. They're like, they, they think this is interesting. We, we, we've got so much hidden behind this. Uh, do you think essentially, because like my, my thought keeps going to Solution 9 as some form of bridge into perhaps a another another reflection but i don't i'm just making stuff up at this point and hoping yeah so i i solution nine based off of the things we've seen to me it means seems more like and i do think the idea that solution nine could have been heidelin created as a way to potentially solve against the final days because of mm -hmm. like the, if you look in it it's it's almost like a paradise it's almost it's a place where they has soul storage and some of the signs it would make sense the thing is i don't I think it's possible that one of the maps is another reflection, but I don't think that that's going to be rooted in Solution 9 itself, only because Solution 9 seems almost more like a place that is like self-contained and stored away. We still have technically, I think technically two maps, maybe only one map to, that we haven't had to find. And the thing is, is like last time, like an Endwalker was Ultima Thule. In Shadowbringers, we had Amarat, right, with the Tempest. Oh, so yeah. they could go any real direction with what we, I mean, it has this law in Heaven's Word too as well, but so I think I wouldn't take a going into a reflection as like the final map as part of something off the table. However, I don't actually know how much it would be tied into solution nine itself as much as instead a lot of the progressive metaphysics stuff that have been being discovered by the crew like Ishtola and everyone. It is really notable that in 6.55, we didn't see anything about Ishtola. Like we, she, we didn't see if she's going to the new world or not. We have her in the trailer. And she's also not on the key art, if I'm not mistaken, despite the one that she, fact that she's the person most ardently seeking for a way for cross-reflection travel. Mm -hmm. Well, they said they're going to split us up into teams. So maybe she's already on the other team. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised. It seems like a Rian Jan thing. You think they would are. write it to where we could choose which team we're on? There's two drastically different ways to experience the expansion. The one time they did that was really was Eureka. And even that they hedged their bets on with still having edgy customers. People were people pissed were about that. Yeah. <laughs> and people like that's like you're saying like, oh, they did something and it wasn't universally loved. Like, oh, yeah. They also like, did the different it. night scene in Endwalker. The person see, that I knocks think on your door. And I think that's what you we will see. Yeah, the characterization. You have that Endwalker. In, in Shadowbringers, who you, the person who you did the role quest with will knock on your door. And if you've done multiple role quests, you can choose who you want to show up. So they even have been doing that a while. I would expect that flavor variance for cutscenes. Definitely. I could see that happening. Okay. Um, actual choice that branches the narrative. I, I'm just going to say personally. It's the same time that World of Warcraft is like dissolving the boundary between factions. Yeah. <laughs> well, it just seems yeah. like, ah, I can split the player base into. I 
Do you think that the team thing is more going to be rooted in the like, because remember, they described this two arcs, right? The team thing, I think, is going to be more to do with the race. It's going to be the ruler who they want, who, who's going to be end up being the ruler of Shural, because there are four candidates, right? And I think that Arianje and Thangrid have been hired probably by one of the other candidates. And I think it's just that simple. Could be the Mr. Mikote, because he spent time in Charlene. I'm forgetting his number, name already. But uh, Kelowna, Ko- Koana, something like that. We'll get it. They're, they're, they're on point today. Yeah, yeah. So, so I think that it's going to be more because that arc, I think is going to be more of the fun arc. I think it's still going to be intense. It's still going to be probably about Wukumat's growth. It's going to be all about those things because who leads to like to the Alal does really matter. But then I think the second arc is when things are going to start pivot towards the more solution 90 things, the more like, like crazy, like it's going to get crazy. Kwana, thank you, Infinite. So I, I think, I don't think the team thing is misleading. I think it's just going to be more. It's not going to be like the scion's gone evil or something. Mm-hmm. I do think that there will be some ideological debate coming out of it, though, just because who do you want to rule Tulio Lal? Their stance on things is going to matter. We've got we've got one who's a war who's war driven. We want we've got one who's very scientific driven. We've got one like Wukumat who's coming into her own is kind of very brash and brazen and you know native Turalian. Yeah, what I don't like about that is then it feels like. I end up picking a side that I want to have a certain outcome. And then that's not going to be the outcome because the outcome is predetermined, right? We all have to end with the same final city or whatever. So if one side is claiming right to the throne and the other side is claiming right to the throne, one of them's the winner has been how the stories have all worked so far. And so like, I've like some of the only times that I've been really upset at the story in 14 is when like, I ethically don't agree with what the warrior of light is doing. And there's nothing I can do about it. Like you could just stop turning in the quests and quit the game. But like, that's your only option. Otherwise you have to condone it. Maybe the problem for me is that I pretty much have agreed all the time. So maybe that is very easy for me to say. I think I also just tend to be more interested in what, if I want to buy a RPG, I want to go play a buy a game that's from the ground up is designed and built around choice. You know, whereas I, when I'm playing okay. 14, I'm more interested in experiencing it as a narrative and then maybe coloring some flavor with your dialogue options. Uh, you know, as an extreme example, when you talk to Xenos at the end of Endwalker, you can either if you're someone like me who's like, yeah, I do care about overcoming challenge. I do realize that there is a genuine mirror between me and you. And I I'm, I may not stand for what you stand for, but I do see that I can say that is a truth I cannot deny or whatever. But you also have dialogues to say, like, shut the fuck up, Xenos. I'm taking you down. You're full of shit, you know? I do think there's a real chance that they split us up just to split the the zone on the the loads on the zone. Like at the beginning of Endwalker, they let us choose yeah, if we brain. went out or if we stayed. Oh, in definitely. Now, well, they did that for it, after Ringer. I did it once, yeah. I do feel that it made more sense to do it in one order over the other. Yes, um, 100%. And I did it in the wrong order. Because like I went out and fought and then there was like real threat. And then I went back. And I'm like prancing around town while the real threat people are like, hey, hey it's urgent over here. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. I got to prance around Charlie first. So like I should have done the city stuff first because that felt yeah. substantially less urgent. But like mechanically, it was there to split the player base logically. And they did um, that with Calusia and Amarang. Like they did it in Shadowbringers. Mm-hmm. And in Heaven's Word, you had the Western Highland mm-hmm. and the first part of the Sea of Clouds. The only time they didn't is Stormblood. And what did that cause? Yep. Yep. So that's now. Yeah. Now uh, I want to ask a question, but obviously about the first with Norvon. Yeah. It, 
I'm assuming it's healing. We've, we, you know, the flood of light, you know, well, at least last I remember was receding. Do you think it's possible that we see some kind of time jump as a part of like, what, like, what does that zone imagine? Like if they were like, Hey, a part of the zones that we're going to go to is Norvant turns out it's, it's opened up here because of the fact that the, the, the light is everything's more imbalanced here back on the first. I think in the past I would have been more like did it seems against kind of how they've done things, but especially with 6.5 and the what lengths to which they've gone, not only for the reclamation of the 13th, but to go out of their way to give the Zeramis crystal to Reen to further the effects of Eden. I definitely think that's possible. I don't know what that would mean. I don't know if they would throw in a exploration zone. I, I feel like you would be more likely mm. to see something like an exploration zone in the empty in the places that have started to heal. Because oh, I don't yeah. know how you do an expansion that goes back to the first that reconciles. Because you still kind of need to keep the maps the same where like you're not going to get rid of the flood of light wall. But the same way that Eden, you can go out into the empty and find the places that have started to heal from the raid. I think it would expound upon that. And I think it would make a lot of sense if, for instance, let's say you had an expansion that was very 13th based or something like that, then having the exploratory zone for that expansion being going into the empty would be very, you know, it would make sense. It would be a very good parallel for that as well. So I, I think love to go back and start filling in areas. There's yeah. also areas just in Aldenard that we haven't filled mm-hmm. in. Like there's, yeah. you know, and Ilsebar is wide open. So <laughs> yeah. like there's, there's a ton. Yeah, they, got ten, they got 10 years plus of real estate you know half of vilbrand is unexplored like we do like the northern half of vilbrand we just never have gone to we haven't gone to the far reach in aldenard we haven't gone to the like far southern tip of thanalin like there's there's so much plus gelmore variant dungeons of galore are ready to be hit on a lot of that yeah i I really hope we don't leave the the star for a while much at all because that feels like yeah i i just think there's still plenty of the star left to see i completely Um, that i don't really want to just start opening up space exploration and just shift this to being so weird space game hopefully um, that's what cosmic exploration is going to fill that niche right what do, what do you mm-hmm. want cosmic exploration to be i don't really care make it like some sort of <laughs> synth- like just some I sort care. of synthesis i don't because like i i'm gonna play and i'm gonna enjoy it but the thing is it looks like they're gonna based off of the two images they showed in the background of it which is nothing but okay they're gonna take what they've learned from things like ishgard restoration and the diadem and some of that and like make something and it's like that's fine that'll dry. i'm currently working on the pterodon mount so i'm my brain's broken when it comes to gathering and collecting anyways because i've been seeing a few of those pop up i've been yeah. seeing people that are finishing them you're gonna see more because that's what when when it's the downtime between content that's that's when that's what people get to yeah i've been starting yeah. to see people finishing up some of the big grind achievements like that that's one of them but there yeah. are a couple others that are just the result of lots one- of downtime <laughs> Right. And the one thing we do know about cosmic exploration is that it's going out into the sea of stars, right? And the reflections mm-hmm. aren't out in the sea of stars. The reflections are all like overlaid um, on each other. Two, just fact- the theorists. They didn't, they didn't triplicate out to every planet. Right. And right. it's interesting. I had had that hypothesis that that was what was the case for a long time, but it was never fully clear. It just was the only way to make sense of any of it. But EE3 effectively, like, I don't want to say confirmed it because EE3 is always people kind of speculating, but it is, they like pretty heavily emphasize that that is what is going on. So like cosmic exploration, I think what's going to happen is you're going to go to maybe the stars that were destroyed by Medion Song of Oblivion, or it could just be song stars that weren't dead, but that, but I would definitely expect that kind of thing. Either we're bringing life back to these, you know, worlds that have been just devastated or we're finding worlds that actually 
never were hit by any of yeah. the, uh, the chaos that was going on in the universe that, you know, that, you know, Ultima Thule kind of really, you know, expanded on some of these stories. We always wondered about the dragons, obviously about, I think I'm going to say Ultron, but I, I can't remember Omicrons. the name. Omnicrons. I was like, here yeah. we go. Yeah, yeah, the Omicrons, the the 24, the Galleon. Like, there are a bunch that like, there are a bunch there. And so there's there's a lot of really fertile ground to hit on there. The only real extraterrestrial threat that would be interesting for them to deal with in some way at some point is to get a little bit more into Ultima the High Seraph because they started to get in the Heart of Sabiq stuff a little bit with the uh it's gonna be like that sword and wow yeah never gonna a little bit a little bit to be fair what heart (laughs) to be fair they did with anabasio start down that path and also specifically say hey i'm holding on to this heart we're gonna study it come back and talk to me which means that they've not just like kind of done what they did in the past was the sword when did the sword land in azeroth that would have to be legion right because isn't that when sargeras stabbed it in Okay, so the sword in Azeroth is younger than the Heart of Sabiq reference. Oh, by a lot. Because the Heart of Sabiq's 10 years old. Or 8 years old. Or actually, at this point, ten about 10 years old. Legion. Oh, yeah. Then, then it was before. Wow. Yeah. So if they resolve their sword before we resolve our heart, that's ridiculous. <laughs> but what about the memes, Challenge Chris? What about the memes? has been issued. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so the thing is, is that I, I, I don't really want to go out to the Sea of Stars like I don't have a problem with it necessarily. If they have a good story to tell, I kind of just want a good, them to tell a good story. But there's so much terrestrial to do, Maricidia plus all the other stuff, and and the reflections. It's like I, I think that's the vast majority of what they're going to focus on. Probably for the next for the next arc will be that. But yeah, it's yeah. I don't know. Sorry, I, I've lost the plot. What was the original question? <laughs> I don't remember. I can't <laughs> think about that sword. We're the best, most professional podcast. Like yeah, and subscribe, guys. We forget our I, own question. I'm, just, I'm so answers. used to just rambling about the lore and just like cosmic exploration is where we question. started. Yeah. And and what do we um, expect from that? I, well, I, I think it could be something like halfway between Island Sanctuary and a restoration. Yeah. Because I don't think they want to build another Ishgard, but I. I think Island Sanctuary has kind of been something that people have really enjoyed because the problem with the restoration was like only one group got to win. Right. So, you know, maybe your world is culinarian. And then once it's done, it's just the feats and the feats don't really have the same life. Yeah. And the, the think- Stormblood stuff, when we like rebuilt the little enclave, it never really felt like you got the kind of autonomy to decide how it got built out. You just kind of turn things in and it just kind of automates itself. Yeah, that was more about the side quest nature of like building. That to me, I guess I was never out on the fantasy to me of the enclave. To donate, and then the kids are making like finger paintings of me, and then I don't know. Maybe I missed it was the Hingen tribal quest is what it was, but you were paying for it instead of like doing a quest. I was um, being paid for it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was what was weird about it <laughs> is I was being paid. It like my donations were making money. So I don't know, somewhere in between those. So I I would assume cosmic exploration is somewhere in between and and is kind of the next iteration of that. Well, I think Brian may hit it. Like, what if it's a chance to kind of start breathing life back into those dead worlds? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then you can just kind of pick each one and hopefully have a little bit of. 
Well, and what further goes to that is that from the art we see in the description that we had is that it's probably going to be using Loperate travel technology and a lot of their capabilities of they have a lot of their technology is all about trying to seed a new star for life. Like that was what the whole plan was, was to try and in the Exodus was to try and find a different place for home and then move again if they needed to. And on top of that, they described it as we're going to be it's not just like, oh, we're going to go to a planet. It's like every patch, there's going to be a different star that we're going to be moving to, which I also think means that it even makes more sense for them to do something like they did with restoration, which you're right. I don't when I said restoration, I wasn't even thinking like the firmament aspects in specific. I was just thinking more of like the crafting, the diadem, that like all that side of it um and if they wanted to do leaderboards or things like that like they did with restoration which are not my favorite but assuming that they do having a thing where each patch it resets gives everyone like you'd be like okay this is the patch where i'm going to go hard on this you know now obviously the biggest question that we see and what we think the community is wondering as well is there any any evidence that the next instance housing to be located on the moon (laughs) The problem is that the housing district on the moon is where they're keeping the third die slot. (laughs) (laughs) So I I will, I'm not kidding. When they started to talk about cosmic exploration for a second, I'm like, are they actually going to do moon housing? I was like, I was genuinely, and then there was cosmic exploration. I was like, ah, you know, but, but that said, with what they've done with the 13th and the first now being like sort of reclaimed, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Crystarium housing someday. I would not be surprised if we saw extraterrestrial housing in some way in that like if the Loperate said, oh, we were looking for stars where we could see stuff and we also found this one. It Wouldn't it be great to put like, so it might not be even moon housing, but it might be like planetary housing of some kind. It could be. Look, they made Smileton, right? They made an entire city inside of the heart of the the, the moon as a dungeon. So it's definitely possible. Which is now empty. Like, we might as well live there. It's a little bit MC Escher-esque, so it might be a little hard to, like, throw all the raves that people That's how they justify it it being instanced for 30 million players. Smileton doesn't have to make sense. I will say, I will be stunned if there is no Solution 9 housing. Like, just one, from what people want, and two, like, everything about the design is just, like, apartment complexes all throughout the background. So it's like, yeah, yeah. we got apartments. (laughs) Come on. Come on down. Lots of space. Just it's a soul apartment. So like you won't be able to see it. That'd be uh, really funny if they only sold apartments like they didn't create like housing districts, but it's because it's just (laughs) you have unlimited player housing unlimited and you can have the view out that outside like we can all get the same view because it's not limited to like a real location. Yeah. And let people build on you know i want three rooms four rooms five rooms i don't know all in my gpu all inside my my literal gpu house but yeah if we look just to like i mean guess just to pop back in some lore stuff talking about tural we look at the maps that we know about right now we have kozumaoka we've got yaktael we've got urkopacha we've got shaloani and then i don't know if they exactly described heritage found as a like map but it's like it is a location I think it's mostly just like because it seems like it's part of the same rail that Shaloani is like on, which means that if if Heritage Found is a map, means that we have four, five of six. But if it's not, we only have four of six, unless I'm forgetting one. Which means that there's still a lot of room places to go. We have the map of Tural. We know there's only like two or three places like uh, like 
Tiak Tiak or something like that. There's only like three places that aren't maps that aren't listed, and there doesn't seem to be anything going on really in those places, which means they're the, the final maps have to be something and they have to be somewhere and they have to be interesting. So are they beneath the earth? Are they in the like you know like, there's the Stardust Sea? There's that like giant gaping massive rend in the land between Jacques and Yachtural, the northern and southern sections. That the, the bridge, there's the bridge that's like crosses that. What caused that? like divide first off and to what's down there because it's still existing there's a reason that it's still existing okay well i think that's everything that i know to ask like the rest yeah. is unknown unknowns like so unknowns but it's I, so filled with potential i yeah. think that's something that's the most exciting and it's so interesting again that they chose the new world because before i left final fantasy 14 a lot of like the speculation was especially with the dragons you know, like was like Maricidia. That's okay. And, and then it's like, boom. And then like, they're going to the new world. We're not just going to shard hopping. At least that's not the main drive of it. And, and yeah, I think that in and of itself is like really interesting and a really interesting kickoff to what potentially is the next 10 years of an art. I don't, I don't, Oh, we don't ultimately know, but it seems like they continue to tease that, that, you know, Hey, we're going to tell this story. There might be a bigger story that's kind of, you know, a part of it, but it's not going to be so visible. And that's going to kind of unfold and see if they can't do the Heidel and Zodiac arc, you know, time, you know, times two. Who knows? <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a hard challenge, right? I mean, at least with Zodiac and Heidel, you had a very strong start of this is my enemy. Like, this is the like main thing we're headed towards mm-hmm. the whole time. Yeah. All right. Well, Elia, where can people find you, dude? Yeah, you can find me over at the Aorzina Archives, where we put out videos usually weekly. And yeah, just putting out a bunch of good lore content. Hopefully, there'll be a lot more Final Fantasy XIV content. You can also, over there, catch us streaming, hopefully, Final Fantasy XI soon. We just finished replaying all of the 6.5, the 6.x MSQ, uh, replaying it. But hopefully, we'll be moving on to 11 before too long. Fantastic. Chris, where can people find you? Right here. Right here. We are broadcasting this on Fridays to all of the places. And so as we start to get ready for the expansion, hopefully more Final Fantasy 14 content along the way. But right now is that time when like I'm reorganizing my office. You can see that things had to get a lot worse before they can get better. So I am actually going through and I'm, I'm going through like a purge right now. So I've, I put uh, five garbage bags of stuff out on the curb last week. Just things yeah. that like as I went through, you know, just Minimalist, each item. what do I need? Yeah. What do I not need? getting rid of a lot of stuff, finding new homes for anything that's still in good shape, trash and everything else that's not because it just kind of piles up. Yeah. And you can find me here and you can also find me over in Ginger Prime. I've been working on doing like a video essay every week uh, for this year and it's been going good so far. We just rolled out my state of the game for Pal World. Uh, next week, I'm trying to get the state of the game for No Man's Sky up and running. So I've been working on the script. That in and of itself, I think is going to be a real interesting video to see how people react to it. Namely because I was playing No Man's Sky and then in other video, like other streams where I wasn't playing No Man's Sky, a lot of people really wanted to talk about No Man's Sky and how like Sean Murray and the history of that uh, as, as well. So um, I did pick up Pal World in Shrouded. I pick, I'm playing Grand Blue Fantasy Relink this weekend. And also because of the Epic Loot Radio podcast, my host uh, co-host Kirk over there convinced me to pick up Suicide Squad so that way we can review it for you guys because press doesn't have review codes, which doesn't mean it's a bad game. It just That's a red flag. That's something just to, to be aware of when it comes the to games. Service. But plus all the, the other news, I mean, maybe... 
<laughs> so hopefully you guys enjoy video game content. And if you do, top link in the description will get you, I think, endless amounts of it. So uh, choose, feel free to pick your own adventure, you know, and and go from there. All right, guys, that's going to wrap it up. Playing Power World, screw, playing Power World while watching this. I actually hope to step into Power World. I've been I've been fighting bronchitis. For those of you who've been on the show watching, uh, you've probably seen me mute and cough for a little bit, but finally starting to feel like my normal self again. And hopefully we'll make some time to actually we'll probably have a bronchitis you can you can capture in a sphere. Probably. <laughs> You're gonna make me laugh and cough again. It's but a real anyway, thing. it's a real thing. All right, guys. We'll Pokemon be back. Head. We'll be back next week. And we have been working on trying to build out basically the uh, the cast of characters that you see on this podcast throughout 2024. So Elio, you're all, like, I really hope we get you back next week. Yeah. But again, uh, you know, we want to make sure that we respect people's times and flexibilities with all of it. So hopefully we'll see you guys next Friday, 1130 Central. And until then, take care. Yeah.